This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for what you're about to do this morning. We know you started something. And Lord, we are open. Our hearts are open. And you speak to us. Like never before, as you've always spoken, you will speak to us. And whilst you're speaking through me, God, help me to listen even more to you. And wherever this word shall be heard, oh God, let their hearts be opened. Let it change mindsets. And bring a change to people's future. And for your name to be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For the last three weeks, we've been talking about a people of prophecy. It's, it's lovely how God takes us through a journey and teaching us what it means to work in the power of the Holy Spirit and also to allow that same power to work through us and become the change that we see in our lives, not only in a spiritual sense, but also impacting our physical lives. Because what we've been talking about, the people of prophecy, is identifying the fact that we are a people of promise. We are a people of prophecy. Uh, the, The Bible tells us that Joel... Prophet Joel, in Joel chapter 2, verse 9, prophesied to our generation that in those days, says God, that he will pour his spirit upon all flesh, that our sons and daughters shall prophesy, our young men shall see visions, and our old men shall dream dreams. And he's talking about pouring out his spirit, and he's already done it. So let's not sit there and think, oh, when God pours his spirit. No, he's already done it. He's already done it. But it's for us to continue to understand what that means for us in this day and in this hour. What does that mean? If he's giving us his spirit, because that's the most expensive thing that is given. His spirit is what proceeds from the Father. So in other words, he's giving us himself. And he now dwells in us. So if he dwells in us, what does he do in us? Because we've got the power to determine what he does in us. We've got the power to determine that. He wouldn't work without your consent. He wouldn't, he's not like the devil who bashes into your life and does whatever he wants. And that was why Jesus said, we stand at the door and knock. So he's knocking, he's taking permission. Can I change your life? Would you like me to come in and change your life? And thank God we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And those of us who have not accepted Jesus today, we will pray with you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because it's the best place to ever be. And don't ever find yourself in a situation where you start to think, "Uh, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. And when you start to ask yourself that question, I reckon you need to sit back down and ask yourself, what does Jesus mean? 
to me. Who is Jesus? Because without understanding the, the, the personality of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and the person of the Holy Spirit, you can never really live a Christian life. Your Christian life would just be a social life, socializing with other people who are nice. And you don't want to live the rest of your life just socializing with people who are nice in the pretense of being a Christian. You really want to be a Christian and, you know, walk in the benefits of what the Christian life, you know, has for you. So don't ever find yourself pretend to be one. If you aren't sure, then it's time to start thinking and start asking questions. And possibly, if it makes you feel any better, give your life to Jesus again. Praise God. You know, there are some people who would answer the altar call ten times because the first time they aren't sure. The second time they were not quite sure. The third time they still wondering until the tenth time. But you only have to do it once. But if you weren't sure, it just meant you really did not until you are sure. But you see, when you're born again, the devil knows it. And all he wants to do is to make you feel you aren't. It's to make you doubt who you now are, your new person. That's why people leave their countries and go to a, a different country and then, you know, taking on the new policies and the way things are done in the new country is very difficult because they, they feel like, oh, well, the way we used to do it back home. Shut up. You're here now. All right? You're not back home. There are some things, of course, that, you, that probably might be okay for you to continue to do, but there are some things you need to change. The behavior needs to change. The attitude needs to change. Okay, there are road rules now. There are some places, there are, not, there are no road rules. You just drive however you want. Kill as many people as you want through reckless driving. But here there are road rules. You need to obey the laws. So in your new country, as a Christian, there are road rules. And the road rules is not to limit you. The road rules are actually to liberate you to get to understand who you now are so that you can take appropriate uh, advantage of what God has got for you. So we've been talking about a people of prophecy, understanding that we've got word of power, that our words are powerful, that we can speak over a situation or speak over circumstances and they have no option but to change. But on Friday we talked about prophecy versus positive words. Or rather, God's word versus positive words. And we realized that God's word is positive. However, positive words aren't necessarily God's word. So people leave their lives speaking nice things to other people. Um, but those nice things are not necessarily words of power. It's only God's word that has a capacity to change. And we established the fact that positive words, um, we, we likened them to uh, a band-aid that you put over uh, an injury. 
And at times, that injury, you see, the Band-Aid in itself is not medication. The Band-Aid in itself does not have antibiotics. The Band-Aid in itself is just something that just protects from the infiltration of external uh, germs, right? That's what Band-Aid does. But it does not really heal. But the Band-Aid is over there so that your body can heal itself possibly. And at times, you need to rip the Band-Aid off and put another one on because it could already be infected in itself. So that's what positive words are. So regardless of how much positive words you speak to other people, there's a time that you need to keep feeding them until, you know, and at times it doesn't bring healing. It just keeps taking the edge off. And when you're down, positive word helps you come up a little bit. But today I'm talking about building a prophecy mindset. Building a prophecy mindset. We ended last uh, you know, Friday service with the idea of declaring a fast. Remember? We declared a fast. We declared a fast and we thought, okay, you start fasting one day at a time and see how that one day goes and then possibly extend it to three days and see how the three days go and then possibly extend it to seven days and see how the seven days go and probably 40 days and see how it goes. And people are looking at me and saying, are you sure? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you want us to look as skinny as you are? No. All right. So, but the fast we're talking about is not fasting from food. Someone said yes. <laughs> it's not fasting from food, but rather fasting from idle words. Fasting from non-working words. Fasting from the things that you used to say that does not have the capacity to do anything. Fast from him. Fast from him. So today we're talking about uh, building a, pro a prophecy mindset. That whenever anything is happening in your life, prophesy over it. And it needs to come from your spirit into your mindset. Now we've been building your spirit for the last few weeks. But now we want that thing in your spirit to start coming straight into your mindset. Because that's the only way you can help it bear on your physical situation. Are you ready to change some things in your life? So let's think about it this way. So talking about fasting, you know, um, God asked prophet Isaiah to speak to the children of Israel about how they fasted. And, uh, and it started with the idea of, it's not about the idea of looking sad. That's fasting. You know, some people want to fast. Everyone has to know that we are fasting. But Prophet Isaiah was saying, that's, that's not about the kind of fast that God accepts. Isaiah chapter 58. He said, that's not the kind of fast that God accepts. And he started talking about losing the bound of, wicked, the bound of wickedness um, and doing you know, beautiful things on the day that God has chosen. So the day that you declare that is holy to the Lord, let it be about your attitude, not about how you want to be seen. All right. But the part that I'm going to is in verse number 13 and 14. But I would like us to read 
verse 6, and then we'll jump into verse 13 and 14. You ready? Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. He said, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Verse 13. Verse 13 says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking, say the last two words, idle words. Then verse 14 says, Then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Say amen to that. All right. So this is where I'm going. God is saying, on the holy day that you declare, say fast from idle words. Did you see that in verse 13? Say fast from idle words. And we heard what Jesus said, you know, two weeks ago. That he said, every uh, idle word, non-working, non-operative Words that you speak, you'll be judged on it. Because a fruit, or rather a tree, is known by its fruit. So he's saying that what your life has become is based on what you've been saying. It's based on your thought pattern. So he said every idle word that you speak You'll be judged on it. But here it's saying that if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and people might go, okay, so what's the Sabbath? Is it Sunday? So the, the main point here is not about the Sabbath, because back in the Old Testament, there was a particular day that was set aside, and it was not even a Sunday, it was a Saturday, all right? That was set aside for people to honor the Lord. But us, as Christians, in the New Testament, every day is our Sabbath day. Because Jesus said that the Sabbath was not made, or man was not made for the Sabbath, but rather the Sabbath was made for man, and that's in the book of Mark. So man was made for the Sabbath. And in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 4, he also stated, uh, I'll possibly just uh, read that to you very quickly. He said the Sabbath rest for God's people is not one day in a week. So he says here, Hebrew 4, 6 says, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So, every day that you wake up is God's Sabbath now. So, it's not one day in a week. Because we have been called into God's rest. Are you still here? We have been called into God's rest. So every day that you wake up as a child of God is your Sabbath. Because every day we ought to give him praise. Every day we ought to glorify him. Every day we ought to have conversation with him. We don't need to go back to the priest that is located in the house somewhere and go, oh, can we have a conversation with God? And then the priest is the mediator, the person standing in between. We do no longer have that. We have direct access to the Father. And if we've got direct access to the Father, every day is our Sabbath to honor and glorify him. All right? Are we done with that now? Yes. Let's move on. 
So let's go back to Isaiah 58. Now, I'd like us to see that same scripture from the Amplified Translation. And you love how the Amplified puts it. We'll probably start from verse 5. Thank you. It says here, Is such a fast as yours what I have chosen? A day for a man to humble himself with sorrow in his soul? Is that the kind of fast that I've chosen? It said, is true fasting merely mechanical? That's quite an interesting question. Whilst we're not particularly talking about, you know, the kind of fast that you and I know ordinarily, but at times some people, when they fast, they, they, they really look inside. You can tell something is going on. But the interesting thing is that you can't really tell whether it's actual fasting or they're sick because they always look alike. It's either they are sick or they are fasting, until you ask. So what are you doing? Is everything okay? Say, oh, no, I'm fasting. Oh, yeah, of course, you look sick. All right. Okay, so he's saying here, is that the kind of fast that I want, the way you do yours? It's not, that's not what I want, because yours at times looks quite mechanical. Is it only to bow down his head or your head like a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes onto him to indicate a condition of heart that he does not have. So he's trying to use how he acts or how he portrays himself as though that's the condition of his heart, but that's not what his heart is saying. So will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And then in verse 6, say, rather, this is a fast, okay? Rather. It's not this the fast that I've chosen, to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every enslaving yoke. Now in verse 13, if you run there very quickly, it says, if you turn away your foot from traveling unduly on Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a spiritual delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor to him, or sorry, and, and honor him, and eat, not going your own way, or seeking or finding your own pleasure, or speaking with your own idle words. Not speaking with your own idle words. So this is the reason we are declaring a fast here at church. And it's not fasting from food now. It's fasting from your own words. Say to someone, are you ready to fast from your own words? You know, some of us, it's easy for us to just express ourselves through one particular way. It's either using your fingers or using your weird words. But when you need to fast, what do you do? You start to consider, what do I withhold myself from? What do I take out of my diet? What do I hold away from? You see, this fasting I'm introducing you into is not a temporary fast is an idea that leads to permanent condition. All right? 
And I wanted to try that. So instead of looking at someone that is cutting you off on the highway and then speak your lovely four-lettered words at them, if you don't have any other thing to say, just keep quiet. Just look at them and go, mm, I love you too. You know, some of us have replaced the swear words with some other lovely words, like sugar. What other things do they say? So instead of the S-H-I-T, they go sugar. And with some other words that they think is synonymous to what they wanted to um, actually say. But can I say to you, it's actually not the words, it's the mindset. Are you still here? It's the mindset. Whether you say sugar or tea, it's the idea of wanting to say whatever you said. So don't make it mechanical. Let it be real. Are you still here? Don't make it mechanical. Let it be real. Fast from your own words. Find what God says about the situation. Because your word has got power. Don't speak idle words. Don't speak non-working word. Every word that comes out of your mouth should be powerful, should be full of power, should be full of potential. And if it's not doing anything, you'll be held responsible. It's just like you've been given talent and you decided not to do anything about it. It's just like you've been given money, like the man in the Bible who had given different uh, amount of money to his servants and said, hey, I'm going away for quite a while, but here you go, and I'll come back soon. And the one that was given five talents went and traded his own and made five more. The one that was given four traded his and made four more. The one that was given one thought, oh, okay, I know my master. He's cruel. He's mean. He always seek gain from what he had not invested in. Instead of doing something about this talent, I'm just going to go dig, dig it in the ground. So when the master came, what did he say? You wicked servant. What did he do? What did he do? He kept the master's money. But he didn't do anything with it, right? And the master considered that wickedness. So he was idle, in a sense, with his talent. And his master considered that wickedness. If you are idle with your words, what do you think the master will consider that as? Wickedness. You have the power to change the course of your life, and you refused to. And the power is in your, in, is in your mouth. The power is in your words. Prophecy mindset. Speak over the things that are happening in your life. Don't speak what you see, speak what you want to see. Because if you speak what you see, you won't move forward. Oh, I, you know, I don't have money in the bank. Of course, you already know that. Why use your word, your precious word, to establish the fact that you have no money in the bank? <laughs> the situation already established itself. So, but what are you doing about it? How about speak to it in the name of Jesus? I've got all I need. I've got all I need because the Bible says, and you cannot say the Bible says until you actually study the word. All right? 
So the Bible says the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it, and I'm a child of God. So if I'm a child of God, I'm an inheritor of God's blessing. You see, the power is in the words. The power is in the word, and the blessing is in the word. The blessing is not in real estate. The blessing is not in the amount of money that I give you. The blessing is not what I give to my children when I'm about to die. The blessing is in the word. For example, you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Even people that are not Christians understand that story as well. How Esau and Jacob had issues in terms of birthright. But this was not only about birthright now. This particular story was about the stealing of the older brother's blessing. So, so what did he use to steal it? He didn't bring a truck. He didn't hire a truck and pack the whole estate. No, it was in words. Are you still here? It was in words spoken over him by his father. And Esau understood what that meant. Are you still here? Genesis 27, verse 27. Because at this time, Isaac was their father, had called Esau and said, Esau, I'm old. I'm not quite sure when I'll die. That's in verse 1. I'm old. I'm not quite sure when I'll die, but I want to be able to bless you, so why not cook me a tasty meal and I'll bless you? And Esau liked the idea. Esau liked the idea and said, okay, yeah, I'll do. And he ran off to hunt for kangaroos, possibly. But unknown, and this is not what we're concentrating on, but I just want to lay a foundation. Unknown that mom was behind the door listening to the conversation. Interesting. And mom went to talk to Jacob, the younger boy, and said, your father is about to bless, and he wants food. I know how to cook good food because I've known your father for a very long time. I'll help you cook it, but you go and quickly put things together. Let's cook this food. You've got to get the blessing. That was terrible. And that's not our point today. But our point is, finally, he came to his father, Jacob, not Esau, came to his father. Father asked Esau, but Jacob came in disguise as though he was Esau. And in verse 27, so he went to Isaac, his father, and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you. Heaven's due. Are you, are you here? He didn't say, okay, now the house that I'm living in is now yours. He didn't hand him over papers. He only spoke words. He said, may God give you heaven's due and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you. Still words. Just words. And peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. Words. All right. Now, did he know that it was just going to be words? Yes. 
Was he expecting real estate paperwork? No. All he was expecting was just words. Because they knew that the blessing was in the words. And the carrier of that blessing at that moment was Isaac. And that blessing was not coming from Isaac. It was coming from Abraham. And when Abraham was blessed in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, it was in words. God did not say, okay, now, here you go. I'm giving you the keys to the city. No, he didn't say that. He said, I will bless you and make your name great. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Words. Abraham kept that in his heart. He had one child first, Ishmael, but he did not pass on the same words to Ishmael until Isaac came, who was a child of promise, and passed on that same word, that same promise, words, words to Isaac. Isaac became the protector and the inheritor of the blessing. And now Isaac is about to get off stage he needs to pass that same blessing on because he needs to go down in generation. And he looked for his older son, Esau. And instead of Esau, Jacob stealth in, right? And Jacob got the words. But see what happened after that. Ah, thank you. The word of the king is authority and power. Love that. Verse 30, Genesis 27, 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, how many, how many things did he say to him? Few words, probably about five sentences. Probably about that. Yeah. So that was not much at all. Right? Yeah. Okay, but as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob was scarcely gone, barely gone, out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he must have felt, oh, wow, that was close. Esau had also prepared savory food and brought it to his father and said to him, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. Are you still here? We're talking about words. That you may bless me. But what did the father say? And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? And he replied, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Uh, then Isaac trembled and shook violently. In other words, this guy was traumatized. And he said, Who? Where is he who has hunted game and brought it to me and I ate of it all before you came and I have blessed him? Now, he said, I have blessed him. Then the next sentence there, look at it. He said, yes, and he shall be blessed. In other words, I can't reverse it. That's the power of words. He said, I have blessed him and yea, he shall be blessed. Although he did the wrong thing, but unfortunately I have blessed him, he shall be blessed. Then Isaac, okay, verse 34. So when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with a great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Isaac said, Your brother came with crafty cunning and treasures, deceit, and has taken your blessing. He has taken your blessing. Esau replied, Is he not rightly named Jacob the supplanter? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. Have you not still a blessing reserved for me? Oh, that hurts. That hurts. Say, so haven't you got something left for me? But you might look at it and go, but it's just words. Why not speak the same words over this one? But that was not how Isaac saw it. 
Because Isaac knew that the words that he spoke over the first one was all that he ever had. He said he has sustained him with corn and wine. And nations will bow to him. And his brothers also will bow to him without knowing who he was talking to. But that best person is blessed. And he's completely blessed. Are you still here? Words. Say, come on, bless me too. Bless me too. Can't you? Isaac answered Esau and said, Behold, I have made Jacob your Lord and master. How interesting. I've given all his brethren to him for servants, including you. That's crazy. And with corn and new wine have I sustained him. What is he talking about, sustain him? He's about to die. But you see, when he's passed on that blessing, that blessing sustained Jacob. He said, I've sustained him with a blessing. Don't ever think your words are mere words. Your words are full of power. Because the blessing is in the word. So don't spend your time looking for crafty and smart ways to respond to people with the most disgusting words. Spend your time getting yourself familiar with the blessing in God's word. Because when you speak it over your life, things are bound to change. Can I say to you, things are bound to change. Things are bound to change. Things are bound to change. So develop a prophecy mindset. Develop a prophecy mindset. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And this was just what Jesus was saying. You know, just before this, um, Jesus has healed the sick that the disciples couldn't heal. And Jesus said to them, have faith in God. And in verse 22, he said, And Jesus replying said to them, have faith in God constantly. Truly, I tell you, whoever, whoever says to this mountain, say that with me, whoever says to this mountain. He didn't say whoever looks at the mountain. He didn't say whoever perceives the mountain. He didn't say whoever touched the mountain. He said whoever says to this mountain. Whoever says to this mountain, be lifted and thrown into the sea and does not doubt all, at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. And in verse 24, he says, for this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you'll get it. King James, please, very quickly. Verse 24 again. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye have received them, and you shall have them. In other words, whatever you say, if you believe you have them, you will have what you say. He's saying that whatever you speak, you will receive the, uh, the outcome of what you say. And at times, the things that happens in our life is as a result of what we have said in the past or what we have not said. In our times, of course, some of us, we don't know how to swear. We don't know how to use the wrong language, but we don't say anything either. So you could say, well, I do not speak idle words. I do not speak non-working words, but what words do you speak? Nothing. Because you've got to learn how to use your words. So it's not, uh, it's not just about not speaking the wrong words and being mute. But it's about actually speaking the right words. And we're not talking about positive words because that's what we talked about on Friday. Because it's not positive word that heals. It's not positive word that has the potency to change. But rather it's God's word that's got potency to change. You see, Abraham did not have that blessing to pass on until God gave it to him. In the book of Romans, we realize how he did it. 
God gave it to him. And Abraham believed that in his heart. Romans chapter 4, verse 16, very quickly. Because that was where the blessing is. He said, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, oh, well, can, can we lose King James Version for a moment? And let's go to NIV. All right, that's a bit old. All right, okay. So therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. He said, it might be, so that it might be by grace and may be guaranteed. It's not perhaps they might get it. No, it's a, so that it may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not, on, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham, which is you. He's the father of us all. Say amen to that. Amen. All right, verse 18. Verse, yes, sorry, 17. As it is written, I've made you. That's all God said to him. I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life. Listen to that. The God who does what? Who gives life to the dead and calls into beings and calls into beings when he says call through what medium? Speaking. He calls into beings things that weren't. How many of you identify things that aren't in your life at the moment? There are things that you want to see happen. But they aren't. They are not at the moment. But hey, hear God. He calls into being things. Look at it. Look at it. Just as it has been said. Where is it? Verse 17, please. Thank you. Okay, here. He said, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life. Now, when he's talking about in whom he believed, now the next sentence is actually a definition of the one whom he believed in. Are you still here? It's a definition. It's a description of the one who he believed in, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. The next one, it's against all hope. <laughs> against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope. Against all hope. Everything suggests nothing is going to happen. You know, I was talking to my brother this morning, right, how God had positioned the children of Israel between uh, a, a mountain and another mountain on their left, Right, right and left, and then right before them was the Red Sea. And they're thinking, so God, you asked us, you were the GPS that helped us to get here. We thought you had other options. So what are you doing? And when they looked back, the Egyptians were chasing them. And they go, so where do we go? And they started speaking to the God they can see, Moses. And guess how they start? Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've led us here to die in the wilderness? You see, because they considered their surroundings. There's no way here, no way there. Front will drown. Back, the enemies are there. So where do we go? But they lost focus of one more way they couldn't see. Upward. Are you still here? You say, against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he said, without weakening his faith, without giving up, without, you know, wavering in his faith, without weakening, without even for one day going, oh no, I'm not quite sure if this is going to happen. But he just kept believing against hope. 
against hope. Okay, now one thing that suggests that is, let's say for example, who is not an Australian here at the moment? You're not an Australian, of course. So let's say for example, uh, Pastor Tony. He's only been to Australia, probably by a few times, whatever it is. Um, but then, he's believing to be the Prime Minister of Australia one day. That's almost against all hope. That's almost against all hope because he's not even Australian. And probably if he starts the process of becoming an Australian, that will probably take another five or seven years or ten years depending on the situation anyway. And then he starts to think, okay, so, but God says I'm going to become a Prime Minister. How's that going to happen? And he's not even an Australian. He's a Ugandan. Against all hope. He believed. Against all hope. Donald Trump. Against all hope. He had no idea. Whatever they did, but for some weird reason, he got there. He got there. And, and I'm saying to you, regardless of how terrible you feel your situation is, you've got the answer in your mouth. You've got the answer in your mouth. It's against all hope. If it's against all hope, in other words, there's no way in the world this can be. There's no way it's completely hopeless. They've told you, pack up, you're about to leave. They've already given you the letter. You've got two days left. They're chasing you out of your house, your rental apartment. Or they've given you a few days to leave, whatever it is. So against all hope, he believed. Who's receiving that today? Against all hope, he believed. You know, there's nothing too good for you. And don't let anything bad happen to you either. You be the one happening. You be the one determining what should happen in your life. We as Christians, we don't depend on luck. Luck does not work for us. Are you still here? How many Christians have you seen won the lottery? Probably accidentally, not because they prayed. It's true. So don't depend on the idea of luck would, you know, if I'm lucky one day. We don't walk on luck. We are blessed. Are you still here? We are blessed. And until your mindset receives that, nothing will change in your life. And, I'm, and that's what I'm saying to you. Have a positive, not positive, have a prophecy mindset. A prophecy mindset. You speak over your life. You speak what you want to see. Things are happening against all hope. You don't even know what's going to happen in your life. Things are turning upside down. The Bible says in 60, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah, it said, Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness on the people, but God shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen on you. Why? You are part of the people, but it's not affecting you. Against all hope, he believed. Against all hope. Are you still here? Can you stand on your feet? Against all hope he believed, and so he became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the devil is defeated. And the more you get to understand God's word, the devil has no hold over you. Are you still here? All he wants to do is to keep the truth of God's word from you. At times, he, he gets you busy. While you're listening to God's word, he's distracting you. But if I were you, I'll go, no, 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 not now. Not now, because I'm receiving life-giving spirit. I'm receiving God's word. Jesus said, the word of God, their spirit they are, and their life. Their spirit and their life. The word that I speak to you, the spirit 
and let it become what changes the course of your future. Do you have time at the moment? If you've got one minute, speak what you want to see over your life. It's your opportunity. It's your opportunity. Speak what you want to see over your city. Speak what you want to see over your church. Speak what you want to see over your family, over your children, over your relationship, over your job, over your business, over your school, over your academics. Speak what you want to see. Don't speak what you see. Speak what you want to see. And don't beg for it. Don't beg for it. Because it's yours. It's yours. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The lines are falling onto you in good and pleasant places. You have a goodly heritage. God's word is alive in your spirit. And it will cost your life to expand beyond your reach. In the name of Jesus. You are born for this. Your life is a life of glory. You continue to work in the path of righteousness because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And for those of you struggling with one or two things, struggling with the idea of sin, sin has no power over you. Has no power over you. Has no dominion over you. You are above it. You are above it. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's declared over you, you are his righteousness. You belong to God. You hail from God. And that is why you will go and change the course of your life. The words that you speak, they are powerful. Ah, glory to God. We we'll praise you, Father. We'll honor you, God. Honor you, God. Hallelujah. You know what? Don't just leave this. Don't forget after three days. Go practice it. We've declared it fast. Fast from your own word. Speak God's word. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.